You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome, family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling. I'm your host, Casey Corbin, and thank you for joining us today on the show. And we've got a good show for you today. Oh, we're gonna got, I've got a special guest. I am on tour right now. I am out in beautiful Vancouver. It's a lovely day out here. And uh, what can I tell you? I'm looking forward to today's show. But before we get to that, you know what has to happen. You gotta hit us up on our social media, on the Twitter at TNW Pod, on the Instagram. You can hit us up at Talking Wrestling Podcast at Instagram.com. On uh, uh, Facebook, uh, we're Facebook Talking Wrestling, and uh, if you want to drop us a Gmail, let us know what you think of the show. Got any ideas, feedback, whatever it may be, go ahead and do that at uh, Talking Wrestling at Gmail Also, remember if you are listening on iTunes, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, give us a good review. Give us a decent. You know what? If you give us five star rating and a uh, and a favorable review, well, uh, we will send you a postcard from the '80s of an '80s wrestler uh, that you might have never heard of or that you might uh, cherish dearly. Um, you know who we're talking about? We're talking about your Greg Valentines. We're talking about uh, you know. Wouldn't you like a Greg Valentine postcard? So you can send to the woman you love happy on February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. Here's a postcard of Greg the Hammer Valentine. Get ready, because tonight I'm going to hammer you into submission with my love tool. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Those postcards from the past, mailing you them in the future. And if you have not got your postcard, hit us up talkingwrestling at gmail.com and let me know we need to get in contact with you we need we need to get your address to send it out i just can't really like i don't have magical pigeons as you just bring them to you all right and i want to get you all these uh so far we have 20 favorable reviews thank you to everybody that's reviewed the show and helped uh, make it better um so uh it is uh, well it's thursday oh my smokes it's my birthday yesterday oh turned to be 45 and uh my knees are sore and i have never taken a bump in my life but i don't know what you guys did this week uh i watched evolution I, this is a pay-per-view i've been waiting for uh and i thought it was very good um thought it was one of the better pay-per-views that i've seen a lot of great pay-per-views this year but um you know this was one of the better ones and it was fantastic and uh you know i look at the matches up and down it was a solid card it was you know not a super long card like not a 14 match card or anything like that it was like you know it was seven matches on the pay-per-view i didn't watch the pre-show so sorry to rhea ripley and dakota kai um you know but i tuned in when i started and uh got to see uh, trish stratus and lita defeat mickey james alicia fox with alessa bliss uh, that was fantastic trish is Trish could still go today. She still looks fantastic. Not that Lita doesn't look fantastic, but it was great seeing Lita back in the mesh and the uh, the thong vintage Attitude Era Team Extreme. Uh, however, that thong I don't remember it being as thick as uh, as it was uh, Sunday night. But regardless, still looked hot, and they both looked great. However, um, the spot that they do the Hardy spot where Trish gets on her hands and knees and Lita does the jump off the back. They didn't really hit that that well during the evolution. And then they tried it again on Raw the next night and they didn't hit it well again. But everything else is great. Like, you know, they look great. They wrestle great. They're still, you know, uh, it's fantastic. I love to see it. Uh, great match. The, the Battle Royal was just awesome. Uh, I love how uh, it was more like a Royal Rumble a little bit, how they have all got entrances. Uh, that was really cool. Uh, some great spots in it. It's funny how that Battle Royals have become that, like everybody gets their spot 
and I guess a thing. And, uh, you know, I was worried about women getting tossed over the top rope because the men really fly the men over, but the women, uh, I don't, it's, uh, you know, the, it, I find it difficult for women to fly over the top rope. But it was done very well, you know. It was done very, very well. I was very. I love battle royals. Of course, the Mae Young Classic final, Tony Storm uh, beating uh, Shirai. I, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, I probably did, but um, Storm is a tough word to say. And uh, Tony Storm, uh, aka Female Dolph Ziggler, aka Motley Crue ripoff. Uh, however, I love her nonetheless. 23 years old, 22 years old having a great match and winning the classic Mae Young title trophy um, that nobody pointed to this year, thank God, uh, or thank Hunter or thank Vince. The Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Natalia against the Riot Squad. This just seemed like a match that you could have on Raw. I was really looking forward to the next match. Shayna Brazler versus Carrie Sane. First of all, I love the Pirate Princess. I love that she carries her title in a, in a, in a treasure chest. I think that's the best thing ever. I love her flying elbow. I love the story that they told, but I also love Shayna Brazler. Like I can, I am, I cannot wait for her to get up to the big roster and get to wrestle. Uh, I want to see her and Rousey, but you know, I find it funny. Like Carrie Sane is awesome, but so is Shayna Brazler. But um, I'm gonna be honest. I don't, I don't think Shayna Brazler needed the help of the other four horsewomen of the MMA to beat. Uh, Carrie saying, I don't think they, she needs their help. However, uh, I know the idea is to keep uh, saying strong, but I don't think it hurts for her to lose to Shayna Brazler. Uh, however, she never tapped out. She did not quit. She passed out and there was interference. So it wasn't fair for her to lose the title. The story is going to continue. We're going to see rematches. And uh, these two, I, I love their work together. It's great. We got Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. That's easily the match of the night. Um, like, hey, those girls can go. Like, it wasn't like, you know, I don't even, I really think female wrestling is on the par with male wrestling, you know, because there are plenty of bad man matches and there are plenty of horrible female matches. But when there's a great match, there's a great match depending on, like, not depending on who's in it. A great match is a great match. And Charlotte uh, Flair versus Becky Lynch was just amazing. Just amazing. And then, you know, I was expecting for the women to have a, you know, maybe a James Ellsworth match after the uh, Becky Lynch-Charlotte Flair match. But no, they went right into the Raw Championship match. And uh, Ronda Rousey uh, defeated Nikki Bella by submission. Uh, and might as well say defeated Brie Bella, too, because she participated quite in the match, uh, quite a bit in the match, running interference and, and healing it up. Um Ronda Rousey is just an amazing seller. Uh, you know, she's she should have no problem beating up any Bellas, but um, she's really good at selling and making matches great. And uh, I'm really looking forward to Survivor Series watching Ronda Rousey and uh, Becky Lynch now that that's been announced, thanks uh, as was on Raw last night. However, I'm rambling on and on and on by myself i'm gonna throw to casey corbin who's uh, got uh, our this week's guest in uh, studio um uh, he, this guest is uh well he when i first met him he was a professional wrestler by the name of brady malibu uh he was also an actor and he still is an actor today but he's retired from wrestling and uh his name is brady roberts a great guy and a former pro wrestler named brady malibu today he's on talking wrestling and he's going to tell his story I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, live from Vancouver, uh, it's talking Wrestling. Take it away, Casey Corbin. Standing here at this time, folks, I've got a good friend of mine on the show. Uh, I'm out in Vancouver. I am on the West Coast, and it's a beautiful day. And I'm sitting here just out uh, outside on a patio. The birds are chirping. The sun is shining. This is West Coast living. And I'm with a good friend of mine, Brady Roberts. How you doing, Brady? Thanks for being on the show. 
I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah, it. It's good now. Uh, I've known you for a few years. And uh, from what I remember, uh, well, I was introduced to you when you were wrestling at the time, but you were also acting. Uh, you were doing a uh, Batman series spinoff for Nightwing. Is that correct? That's correct. And, yes. it's, and it's on YouTube, right? It's on YouTube. Yeah. Nightwing, The Darkest Night is what it's called. So we did like a five episode Nightwing series that got really popular. And now I just... I have to apologize because I'm so exhausted. I, I just got back. We just filmed a, a wrestling comedy sitcom for TELUS, uh, yeah. six episodes. So I just literally got back yesterday. So we've been shooting for the last few weeks. That's fantastic, too. So you, so uh, yeah, when I met you, you were wrestling, but you were also personal training and stuff like that, too. And you were, you were an actor the entire time. Well, as, as a wrestler, you are an actor, as far as I'm concerned. So, But now uh, you're, you're kind of out of the wrestling and because things are going well for you in acting and, and uh, the behind-the-scenes of shows but it's sort of funny how you get out of it and they still and the project you're doing is wrestling yeah it was really funny too because i i mean i worked as a wrestler for over 10 years and when i got into film uh i always avoided telling anyone that i was a wrestler because i just worried that casting directors and producers and stuff would sort of label me as just a, a wrestler guy and, and and a few years ago it was sort of like wrestlers were automatically bad actors is it yeah. just sort of expected that wrestlers are bad actors and of course i'm not i'm not a very big guy so i also didn't fit the stereotypical like oh this guy's a wrestler so he's gonna play a bouncer or a thug or whatever like mm-hmm. i'm five seven 165 pounds like i'm not a big guy so i knew that i would kind of shoot myself in the foot if i relied too much on that so for many years i avoided really telling anyone that i was a wrestler and then i ended up developing a, a comedy series about wrestling and that's what got picked up by TELUS and now now I'm sort of like leaning a little bit more into the wrestling thing and being a little more proud of it. I just worked on uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, just doing Fantastic. a little bit of a, of a wrestling episode with them and stuff and did an episode of a, a CW show called No Tomorrow last year doing some wrestling as well. So... I guess maybe just uh, maybe just embrace it. Well, it's everything old is new again, and wrestling is more popular yeah. now than ever. I like it might not be to the heights of the Attitude Area per se, but I, the Attitude Area I felt was based on ratings. And the fact is, is now what's more important? Are ratings more important or are social media views? Like it's very like WWE are very proud that they're number one on Twitter and number one on Instagram and number and that all that stuff plays into the factor now. But the fact is, is YouTube is a game changer. Like I watch Major League Wrestling every week out of Florida on YouTube. Uh, So many indie promotions are coming up and now wrestling has become cool again. You know, you look at PWG down in California where you go there and there are celebrities sitting in the audience or even though it's Ron Jeremy sleeping beside Meltzer, it's still impressive to me. Was Ron Jeremy really there sleeping beside Meltzer? (laughs) Yeah. That's incredible. Last year at All-Star Weekend uh, on the Friday night, I went on the Saturday night, so I didn't see Meltzer and uh, I saw Meltzer, but I didn't see Ron Jeremy sleeping beside him. Ron Jeremy was sleeping during PWG in the front row. How do you fall asleep during a PWG show? I, I feel it, like it's so fast paced. Like I have a th- 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 Ron, apparently from what I've learned down in LA. Yeah. Ron Jeremy sleeps all over the place. Like he he uh, he goes to the comedy store and he'll sit in the back and he'll just doze off. I love it. Or he'll go to different comedy clubs and he'll just doze off. I think he's narcoleptic, but I also think it's because like. Well, everybody's seen the, what he's got down below. So right. when the blood rushes to that head, sure, it's got to make him dizzy and, and, and tired. He's tired, man. I would yeah. think so. So at his age. Yeah. So my theory is he's narcoleptic and he just uh, he goes places where he can buy a seat cheap and just take a wow. nap. Wow. Luckily, he's on Melter's side. Like I was on the aisle side when I went to the PWG, yeah. which is... Um, that's where the dives occur? All the dives yeah. occur. Yeah. So, so Ron it's, Jeremy wasn't getting dived on. No, it was constant calisthenics. It's grab your chair, get out of yeah. the way, get yeah. back. I tried. I'm like, I'm like, oh, if I sit uh, backwards on the chair, it'll be it's much easier to get, easier to get yes. up. Yeah. But no, uh, Legion Larry put the crack down. He's like, turn that chair around. Has, it, has anyone ever gotten hurt? In I don't the know. Audience, oh, you would think that at some at some point, I hurt my in that I hurt my arena. shin this summer at Impact. Uh, I was on the dive side uh, of the far side of the ring, and uh, like just underneath the hard cam. Yeah, and uh, it was. Uh, I think it was Pentagon Junior versus maybe Sammy Callahan or something like that, and uh, they came flying over and they hit the rail 
and the rail went right into my shin. Yeah. And I was like, ah. I, I remember uh, years and years ago, I was in Lethbridge, Alberta. I used to wrestle there a lot. And a guy did a dive over the top. And there was someone in the front row. And we didn't have guardrails, but we had just like a like a rope. Yeah. And there was someone in the front row that, no word of a lie, had a baby in one of those little baby carriers, like beside the seat. Yeah. And this guy just narrowly missed this baby. And I was like, this is, someone is going to get seriously hurt. And and I know that there have been serious injuries on the independent side. I believe there's even been a couple of guys that have died from hitting their heads on dives and stuff like that. But it's, it's, uh, you know, you look at, at some of the shows in these small community centers and stuff and guys are doing these crazy dives and you think, man, like how do people are going to get kicked in the head or something like that's scary. Oh yeah. It's almost like backyard wrestlers are now inside. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's the problem. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, they, they're like, what CM Punk did it. You know, it's like, well, this, Go train. Just yeah. Stop. Stop working out on your trampoline. You're yeah. not a hardy. Jesus. But I mean, going back to your point, though. Yeah. I mean, I mean, WWE just recorded. I, I think their most profitable quarter in history, right, or so, yeah. something like that. I mean, yeah. it's wrestling's um, definitely in a resurgence in, in the UK. It's huge, and internationally, it's huge. And Glow, and um, uh, even stuff like Lucha Vavum touring around, like the, yeah. the New Japan wrestling growing in in America. I mean, wrestling's definitely it's it's, it's popular. It's yeah. exciting. It's uh, if I was to title it as a television show or a movie, I'd be like, I would almost say it's more of a rise of the new territories. Sure, yeah. Because and I like that. Um, it's not the olden days. Yeah, they're not all hard-headed old men that have to stick to their territory. They realize that there's value in collaborating talent. Yeah, you know because uh, you look at Ring of Honor and uh, Impact coming together on the Jericho Cruise or Ring of Honor in New Japan on any of the art cards or the fact that uh, Impact and uh, Major League Wrestling share talent or, you know, the the you know the, the Young Bucks can pick and choose wherever. If they want to wrestle for a house of hardcore, yeah. they can go wrestle for Tommy or they can go to Ring of Honor, who they're contracted with. Like, their contracts allow them to go to also where they like to go wrestle. Right. And I think that is... Uh, you know that's better than the territories it's like a new and improved territories mm-hmm. and it, i do think it's like the territories because much like the territories where vince just went and picked and chose all the top talent mm-hmm. that's all hunter's doing yeah you know like he's taking all the top talent and he's you know like nxt is hunter's indie indie wrestling right this is right. how hunter's indie wrestling that's what it should be you know h-i-w just call it that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it should be honey yeah it's yeah. hunter's er, it's hunter's independent vision yeah it should just be called hiv hiv that's all it should it. be no, sounds it great should, put that on a t-shirt yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah hiv is nxt yes. no i don't that's a worse shirt ever <laughs> hiv is next what yeah. uh people are like no it's a wrestling shirt it no it's not what you think yeah um this is back-to-back weeks. I've done AIDS jokes now on the show, and I'm not that... Uh, I'm a horrible person. Correct. Um, how did you... Uh, when you were a kid, how did you get into wrestling? What well, started you? And then at what age did you start wrestling, and how did your how did your family take it? Yeah. So, I, I, I don't really remember when I started wrestling or watching wrestling because I was just so young. Like, my dad grew up in Alberta, so he was a Stampede Wrestling guy. Him and his, his dad would go to Stampede Wrestling. So, from when I was just a baby I was watching wrestling with my dad right so um, watched wrestling all growing up and then my dad actually went to college with a guy who was a big wrestling fan who ended up buying his own ring and starting a wrestling company in Edmonton many many years ago called CCW Canadian Championship Wrestling which didn't last very long it only lasted a year or two but I would go down and watch them at the training camp yeah and I had three other buddies who were sort of, we were like 14 years old and we just thought this was the coolest thing. We got to go and watch the wrestling training camp. And then eventually on Saturdays, they would let us get in the ring for like an hour and yeah. just do, you know, some rolls and just do some basic chain wrestling. They teach us some of the basics of, of stuff. And then eventually we were actually getting pretty good because um, I, I played sports my whole life and was pretty athletic and and then when I was 15, we moved over to a new company called Monster Pro Wrestling in mm-hmm. Edmonton, which is still still exists today. And we were training there. And then what happened was it was a show in February. 
and they had a car of Winnipeg guys coming to Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And of course, there was a major snowstorm, as there is in February in Canada, and the the car was not able to make it to Edmonton. So they were short on wrestlers, and they threw three of us in there. We were 15 years old. Put masks so I, on you? We didn't wear masks, no. no, but we had like, you know, it was hilarious. We had like knee pads and, and, and wrestling shoes and stuff. We didn't have gear, so we had like shorts and tank tops on. Yeah. So it was, you know, very kind of... Um, <laughs> probably look like a backyard wrestling match but we went in and, and at the time i'd been i'd been watching all this weird japanese wrestling from highspots.com i get my dad to buy me these vhs tapes from high spots and, yeah and so we were doing all this cool like japanese chain wrestling and different kind of stuff and so the match actually got over we did this triple threat match with the three of us and then they started putting us on on every show and then I started going to Winnipeg and going to Saskatchewan and, go, and going to Vancouver and, and traveling around. So through my high school years, I was traveling around wrestling. Well, that's fantastic. Pretty wild. And how many times? So was it the same finish every night or did you switch it up each night or did you just have one match and you just, we stuck to that match? Well, th- I mean, the nice thing is we were training together like five times a week. Yeah. Uh, so I guess sort of like they do at the Performance Center now, we were able to kind of practice our matches a lot before mm-hmm. we, we would go in. Which yeah, so we we do some really interesting stuff, and 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 in Monster Pro Wrestling, the because it was Monster Pro Wrestling, they their the emphasis was on really big heavyweight mm-hmm. guys, and then there'd be like one match on the show with us like 15, 16 year old kids, you know, flipping around and doing weird stuff, and so it it really got over, right? Sorry, my little, I have a puppy, and he's he's adorable. He's on a pedestal. He's yeah. on my he's on he my yeah. sit on my lap. Yeah. yeah. So then when so then I I was wrestling around you know 15 to 18 then when I was 18 I moved to Calgary I wanted to continue training so I um, moved to Calgary to train at the Storm Wrestling Academy with Lance yeah and then when I was 19 20 I moved to Los Angeles uh, with a couple other guys to train at uh, what was the New Japan Dojo mm-hmm. there with Rocky Romero, TJ Perkins, Carl Anderson, all those guys. Uh, and that's where I got an opportunity to go down and uh, do a couple shows in Mexico while I was there and, and then came back. And yeah, and then I was back in Alberta and then I went to, in my mid-20s, uh, went over to Japan for Tajiri's company called Smash Wrestling in Japan. And when I was 18, I actually had my first WWE tryout. Uh, I told this story a few years ago to Tommy Dreamer. I saw him a few years ago, but he he was head of talent relations at that time. Uh, yeah. And um, I'd sent him a VHS tape of a match that I'd had in Edmonton. And and, and I remember he called me from, from Stanford. And, and this was like before the internet was really mm-hmm. as it is now, right? So I had to find the address to Titan Towers in a WWF magazine. Yeah. Like, you know, they've got the the sort of credits at the beginning of the magazine, you yeah. know, who, where the magazine's published publications and all that. And all that. Yeah, so yeah. I, I sent it there with his name on it. And, uh, oh, my dog wants to, my dog wants to talk in the microphone. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So Tommy dreamer called me and, and they brought me down to Raw and SmackDown. And I, I, it was, he called me, it was just before my 18th birthday. And he said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 19. And <laughs> of course, then I actually turned 18. And then, and then raw was like two weeks later. So two weeks after my 18th birthday, I hadn't even graduated high school yet. And I was at raw and SmackDown having my first That's trial. Awesome. Pretty crazy. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, I had over a dozen of those, uh, over the course of a few years. And I thought course, Teddy Hart was the only one. Ted, Ted was there actually. So that, actually true story. I got to raw and at that time, it was a little bit more the wild, wild west. They didn't; it wasn't as structured as far as tryouts and stuff. So I show up there, and they they show me where to put my bags and change, put my gear on, and they said, "Get down to the ring." You know, it's like one in the afternoon, and I get down to the ring, and I'm standing around the ring, and uh, T.J. Wilson is there, Harry Smith, uh, Devin Nichols, Hannibal, uh, J.D. Michaels, and and then Teddy Hart. So there was only like five or six of us there, and and cool. Natty was there as well. I remember they were just standing around the ring. We're all in our gear, and there's a couple agents there. I don't know Dean Malenko and Arn Anderson and a few of those guys, and and they started pairing us off. Like, okay, you're gonna wrestle with him. You're gonna wrestle with him. And I remember standing there like, anyone but Ted. Anyone but Ted. Anyone but Ted. Okay, Brady, you are gonna wrestle Ted. I'm like, <laughs> Fuck. And of course, I'd never wrestled Ted, but I'd known him for a few years. And and I got in there, and Ted was just a wild man. And like, I I couldn't tell you a single thing about the match because Ted just started doing stuff to me and I had no idea what was even happening and yeah. uh, somehow escaped alive and was just like, and Ted wrestled that night. Actually, Ted, Ted tag teamed with JD on velocity against the Basham brothers. Oh, cool. Uh, so, which I, I believe to my knowledge is Teddy's only 
televised WWE, WWE match, match um, besides anything in OVW or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I wrestled Ted that same afternoon. That's crazy. It, I don't think it was pretty, but no. uh, I was just, you know, I'm 18 years old. I was like, I met Vince McMahon that day. Like, it was like wild, man. Like, what was that like? So, I was standing on the stage when we first arrived. We were in our dress clothes and everything, kind of wandering around trying to figure out where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. And yeah. I was standing, I walked out onto the stage and I'm just standing on the stage, just looking around the arena like this is the coolest thing ever. And and then I looked to my left and Vince McMahon had walked up right beside me and he was looking around the arena. Yeah. I remember I didn't know what to say and I said, it's going to be a great show tonight. Vince said, it is going to be a great show tonight. And then he turned around and walked away. And that was, <laughs> that was like my only interaction with Vince McMahon. I'm like, you know, you kind of think your whole life like, oh, man, this is what I'm going to say to Vince McMahon when I meet him. And this is how I'm going to get a job. And then I met him and just fucking blew it, dude. <laughs> it's not bad. It wasn't bad, but I just was like, oh, I mean, I was 18. I probably wasn't going to get a job anyway, but it was just like, uh, I was like, oh, man, this is Vince McMahon. Yeah, it's uh, crazy, man. It's insane when you uh, when you meet someone of that level of celebrity. Yeah. It's like you tr- you just don't want to Chris Farley it. Sure, you know what yeah. I mean. And do, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, totally. Yeah, and uh, it's that's uh, <laughs> and I, so I, I mean between film and wrestling and stuff. Like I, I've met so many you know celebrities and important people, I guess, and no one ever really trips me up. But you know, I was no. eighteen and Vince McMahon, and I was like, oh uh, yeah, gonna be a great show. Yeah, he's a he's a creator. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, he's a, you know. Yeah. So so that I I understand. I w- I don't even think there are guys where it's like I think about if I ever had a chance to meet, how would I react? Yeah. And there's like you know it's like, and I was like I don't think I'd ever want to meet Brock Lesnar. Sure. I just don't even think he's a people person. It's just best even if I yeah. saw him, I would not even. I wouldn't even try to take a picture of him. Right. I would just just stay clear. Yeah, you just know? run away. But I remember one time um, I walked by RVD in the Chicago airport yeah. at like 7 in the morning. There was nobody in the airport. And I just smiled at him and he just smiled back. And it was like, yeah. I find that sometimes is good enough. Like, sure. That happened to me in Halifax. Um, they shoot a lot of stuff not like in Halifax. And uh, I don't know what they were shooting, but Tom Selleck was staying in the same hotel as I was. Yeah. So I was walking down the sidewalk uh, on, on one morning, and he was walking up the sidewalk. And we're not talking friends, Tom Selleck. We're talking yeah. like full-on Magnum mustache, yeah. Tom Selleck. <laughs> and uh, I just smiled at him. He just smiled back, and I was like, oh, my God, there's Tom Selleck. That's yeah. so awesome. But that was really cool. And that has nothing to do with wrestling. So anyways, uh, what happened? Uh, where did you go after after that? Like, where did your career take you after? Yeah, so so I did a lot of independence, went down to the U.S., did the few shows in Mexico, went over to Japan, which was super cool. And then what happened was I was cast in a TV show called World of Hurt, which was mm-hmm. filmed in Calgary. Uh, Lance Storm did the first season and then Roddy Piper did the second season. Oh, wow, yeah. So I was in the second season, uh, which aired on a Canadian network, uh, 13 episodes. And I played my wrestling character, Brady Malibu, so this arrogant swimsuit Model, Brady Malibu and I did this whole season and the show was a lot of fun for me because it was I got to improv like the whole time and I was in yeah. the wrestling character the whole time and you know the wrestling observer did a big thing on it and um and Roddy really was very complimentary to me and my my promos and my acting abilities and stuff and then the director of the show pulled me aside at the end and said you really need to get into film he said you really have a, a, a strong um, presence on screen and and uh, ability to improvise and stuff. And I had done theater all growing up as a kid. My parents were theater actors. And yeah. so I'd always done theater growing up. So then I ended up taking classes for film and television, got an agent in Calgary, started working more in film and TV. I ended up doing a couple feature films in Calgary. And then I decided that it was time to move to Vancouver because that was really where the, the film work was. So I came out to Vancouver, I guess, almost six years ago now. Mm-hmm. So 2012, 2013, 2012. And same thing, started working a lot in film out here. And I wrestled for a few years here for ECCW, but I haven't really wrestled um, in a while uh, just because I've been so focused on film. And then started my own production company a few years ago as well. So I've got a couple of business partners here that I started with and we've just been producing our own content. And and now sort of the ball is rolling on that. We just produced a show for TELUS, like I said, that's going to come out in the beginning of 2019. We literally just wrapped the show. So that was a a comedy show that I created based on really my experiences as a pro wrestler. Yeah. Um, And then brought a a great writer in, Matt Eward, and and my business partners, Matt Hall and and Mike Howard to to come in and develop the show with me. And 
And it's a pretty hilarious show. It's about a little independent wrestling company that's just failing and and the, the promoter dies and his daughter inherits the company and she hates wrestling. So she wants to sort of revitalize this thing and she's a writer. And yeah, so we just shot that and we got a few cameos from some big wrestlers and Lance Storm is in it. And uh, so that was a, that was a blast. What was it like training at uh, Lance Storm with Lance Storm? It was awesome, man. I mean, Lance, I really think Lance is the best trainer in the world. I mean, he was the head trainer for WWE for years before he started the Storm Wrestling Academy. Yeah. And I think if you want to understand the fundamentals of pro wrestling you have to train at lances and also like he trains you in a way that gets you ready for wwe there's a lot of wrestling schools out there um and the vast majority of them are run by guys that have not done much to be honest you know Um, it's like comedy classes exactly yeah it's like or or acting (laughs) classes and stuff too right it's like why am i gonna go take an acting class with someone who's never booked an acting gig in their life like it doesn't make any sense so why would you not go train at Lance Storm's Wrestling Academy if you can? Because that's, you know, the guy had a 20-year career in WCW and WWE and ECW and as a head trainer. And yeah. a bunch of his students have gone on to WWE. Like, he's... The other thing that I like about Lance is that just like his wrestling character, like, he's sort of a no-nonsense kind of guy. Like, yeah. he has no problem telling you, like, that sucked or that <laughs> needs... Where other trainers, because they need your money... Yeah. will always just kiss your ass and tell you how great you are and you're going to be a star and blah, blah, blah. And Lance doesn't need your money. Lance has a waiting list for years to go to his school, right? Yeah. So Lance is straight up. He's honest. He's brutally honest. But that's how you should learn, you know? And, and I think that... Um, more people should go and, and hunt out a trainer like that because he's he's the guy that, that you need to see if you want to make it to the big time. Yeah, he's... Well, you just... Um I guess recently Brian Pillman Jr. went to his school, right. and now uh, he's just had his first match on Major League Wrestling. Yes, and uh, and he's 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 very like he's very similar to his dad. His definitely his build is there is very similar, mm-hmm. um, you know. But he's you can tell he's very green. But he's he's paired up with Harry right. and uh, and Teddy. So and Ted, <laughs> and Ted is. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad. Thing. I don't. Well, I think I think. Uh, I don't know. I think Ted's, uh, uh, he plays, he does the Maritimes a lot. And right. my friend Ring announces when he does the shows. The yeah. Mar- so he, my friend travels with him. And he says he's, you know, he's like not as crazy he's as he thought it would be. Okay. Right. So he might have, he might have calmed down a little bit, but I don't know. Um, he still chews gum the entire match, but uh, which was bothers me. It's like, can you, can you? At some point, you're going to have to heavy breathe, so you're going to get need yeah. to get rid. But he, uh, but he still puts on entertaining matches. Sure, and I think now um, what he does in the ring makes more sense. Like you know, he doesn't do stupid things that yeah. doesn't make that just it doesn't make sense. You know, to have all these great big spots and then you know a kick is the finisher or something like that yeah. now, that's not maybe him but like uh you know i can you can only put so many crazy spots in one match right and but you better have a good finish to follow it right like because you can't keep getting up after this or after that after yeah that. and that that's one of the reasons i got to stop wrestling a couple of years ago was because i again training at lance is like the fundamentals and the psychology of wrestling are really beaten into your head, right? Mm-hmm. Every single thing that you do in the ring has to make sense. It has to have a purpose. It's no different than me producing or writing a movie where it's like every scene has to have a purpose. Every line of dialogue has to have a reason or else why is it in there? You're just doing it. Like I said this years ago to, I think I said it to Lance. I said like movies are no different, right? Like if I watch an action movie, and I go to the theater and the action movie has a bunch of explosions and car flips and all that stuff. And like, it might be cool for like five minutes, but then eventually I'm like, what's the story to this movie? Like, why am I going to come back? Why am I going to keep paying yeah. and watch this? Where you watch a movie that has a great story and it leads you to want to watch the next one and the next one and the next one. Right. And that's the art form that I think is lost in wrestling is the psychology kind of went out the window and guys can argue about Joey Ryan's dick spots and you know certain guys doing too many high spots or super kicks or whatever like and I see you know everyone's got different opinions about it and stuff but like at the end of the day the what is the purpose of wrestling wrestling is supposed to be the story of a good guy and a bad guy and someone's trying to win and when you're doing spots in matches that are way too comedic or way too stupid or they're in slow motion or they're whatever these these spots that have become popular on the independence it's like what is the purpose 
of this, you know, and a, a general audience or someone that doesn't watch a lot of wrestling will see this and think that it's hokey, just so stupid and hokey, yeah. right? So, you know, my favorite wrestlers have always been the guys like the Eddie Guerrero's and the Kurt Angles and um, guys that uh, that you watch and you go, man, like I really believe that this guy is trying to win the match. Yeah, that's and. I always sort of idolized Kurt Angle because he was not only was he an amazing wrestler, but outside of the ring with the vignettes and the promos, he could do the comedy stuff too. Yeah. And that's what I always tried to emulate was my character was comedic, but I never did spots that were so stupid that they weren't like I was always, it was almost like my character was always the butt of the joke. I was the guy slipping on the banana peel, yeah. not mocking the whole wrestling industry and doing no most spots or and whatever exactly and i think that's the thing but like, with comedic like i've got no i i've got no problem with wrestlers that have to uh, take their career a comedic direction sure. yeah look if steve austin and kurt angle do it yeah anyone can totally do it. there's no reason it has to be done right you know and uh and like someone who i look at who i think was probably one of the greatest comedic wrestlers despite being the real deal you know and having to put his you know his ego and the real be of being the real deal behind him like like you know but and then to play the comedy character like i look at like santino morella as a guy that i think is like that like he's you know i remember one time i was sitting at a i was at a raw and i was behind his entire family and his yeah. dad was there and his dad's like i wish they'd just let him be him you know and, and right. so he could show them the skills that he has instead of always making him the joke and i was like i don't see it like that i see it like he's first of all he's playing that italian character from the beginning and he does it very entertainingly and i personally love his comedy and i think he's so entertaining and like not everybody can be at the top of the card so if you're the comedy angle you know just do it and do it to the best of your ability yeah um like like you like you know because angle and stone cold they had injuries that you know sort of put them on the shelf but this right. is what they can do while they're injured right and uh and that's fantastic but um you know i don't mind comedy spots in wrestling yeah. but like but like you say yeah they have to forward the show like where they just stopped and everybody dances for yeah, no exactly. reason yeah yeah i don't understand that yeah. but like but Joey Ryan's dick flip, yeah. I do. But that follows the character of right. of who he is. I don't like his breastplex, but I do. Well, like I haven't it. seen that. But <laughs> well, he, he whenever he wrestles in her gender matches, yeah. he grabs but and suplexes the girls. Oh god! But it's just his arms are where the breasts are, so it's, it's he calls it the breastplex. Sure. But it just looks like he's grabbing girls by the boobs and throwing them on their Jesus. necks. <laughs> it's like it's, I, I'm like just keep it to the dick flip, right? But you know he's a sleaze guy, and uh, you know I know my roommate always gets upset because he hates joey ryan and the dick right. flip and i was like but you're okay with with santino and a snake right and a, snake. And a hand puppet going yeah. down your you know or poking you in the face or even worse john cena's new move yeah. where he just he just gives you a backhand uh, to the head yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i yeah i mean i'm not a fan of any of that kind of stuff just because to me it, it sort of goes against what i learned getting into the wrestling business which yeah. is that it's you're emulating a athletic competition and one guy's supposed to be winning and you know it's okay for a guy to be charismatic or you know have a have a a, a dance or a, a taunt or whatever yeah. it is that he does but i think when you're sort of um i guess how do you say it like i guess you're making a mockery of the sport of wrestling yeah. then what happens is the next match that goes out there it's like well why am i supposed to believe that this is serious when the last match you told me was so there's a fine line with the comedy right and again like my character was pretty comedic so i i love comedic wrestling it just yeah. has to be done in a certain way that doesn't make the business look like a joke where yeah. a, a viewer that doesn't know all this stuff can watch it and go because i think right now what's happened is like we have such a hardcore wrestling fan base mm -hmm. and these and it's almost like uh, like I compared it a while ago to like people that drink craft beer. There's almost like a snobbiness sometimes from independent wrestling fans because they're so hardcore of like, oh, you don't know who this guy is. You haven't seen this match from this show. And it's like uh, average viewers or general population is like, whoa, like I can't get into that stuff. There's way too much to follow. Yes. And, and it feels like uh, I'm not cool if I don't know this wrestler or whatever. So but I think that we need to open wrestling up to the general audience so that wrestling can continue to grow. But that requires not doing 
stupid spots that yeah. make wrestling look hokey. I mean, everyone knows wrestling's not real. The that that's never going to change now. But we can still suspend our disbelief and and just like going to a movie. I, I when I watch the Avengers, I'm not thinking like, oh, this is so fake. Yeah, I'm. I'm enjoying the story and the the process the whole time but if they you know stop the movie and flip each other with their dicks and stare in the into the camera and laugh and oh we're all in on the joke and it's just like tongue-in-cheek thing yeah. it's like i don't know i miss the the, the, the the sport of wrestling yeah you don't see a lot of dick flips at uh medieval times exactly yeah <laughs> minimal minimal dick flips at medieval times but that was kind of like again the last few years that i wrestled like i would show up to the the venue to wrestle yeah. and it's like, okay, you're working with this guy and you know, wrestler X or whatever would come up to me and they'd have a list of 15 spots that they wanted to do that they saw on some tape of a match somewhere. And I'm like, okay, but we don't even know what the story of the match is yet. We don't even know what our finish is yet. And you've yeah. already got all these spots planned because you think that they're cool. Like if these spots fit into the match that we're supposed to be doing the story that we're supposed to be telling, then sure. But like, it just became like I could tell the difference yeah. from 10 years ago where it's like, okay, what's the story? How do we get to that finish? How do we t craft the story versus now? It's just like, what are the spots we're going to do tonight? That's yeah. the difference, right? And it seems like there isn't really veterans or um, locker room leaders that sort of put a foot down and say like, we need to tell stories now and not just do spots, right? Because it seems like WWE even has gotten so much spottier in the last few years. Yeah. Right? Way more false finishes, way more kicking out of all these moves. And I don't know. Where do you go from there, right? If you've kicked out of every move a million times, what do you do next? Yeah, exactly. You have to do the move three times in a row. Yeah. It was getting to that point with Cena's F, with yes. Cena's finisher. Everybody you know, kicked out of it. Everybody kicked yeah. out of it. So he would have to give two or three yeah, sometimes. Or off to the top rope or whatever. Yeah. You know, or yeah, or some sort of incredible yeah. version of it. Yeah. And that's how you have to adapt is making the move more dangerous and more dangerous. Yeah. Or looking. Uh, you know, um and and that is insane to me. Over the years, uh, with all the people you wrestled, uh, who are your favorite opponents and who did you uh feel you had the best chemistry with in the ring? Oh man, um, I wrestled a guy. I had a long string of matches with a guy, Dusty Adonis from Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. Have you have you seen him before? He's, no. he's fantastic. Is he uh, still wrestling? I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. He may still do some shows in Alberta or Saskatchewan. I had a long string with him. Uh, I had a long string of matches here with a guy named Billy Swade, who, mm -hmm. who trained at Lance Storms Academy. Uh, he still wrestles. He was fantastic. Um, I got to work with Samoa Joe at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton at the halftime show of an Eskimos game. That is awesome. That was pretty crazy. There was like 35,000 people there. He beat me with the muscle buster. And um, oh, how is that to take? Like well, it, it, it was fine. Um, but of course, it was scary many years later because I'm good friends with TJ Wilson. Yeah. I talked to him all the time uh, on the phone. And um, of course, he was, you know, severely hurt with yeah. that move. So. But I mean, you know, uh, injuries can happen with with any move. There's a lot of moves that are are dangerous. Um, yeah. So, but uh, who else? Um, man, I mean, there's a lot of like I had a string with um, uh, Chucky Blaze in Alberta. He wrestles as something else now, Richard Blaze or something like that. Um, Dick Blaze is that Dick what it Blaze? Is? <laughs> I, yeah, maybe I can't remember. Yeah. Um, so yeah, lots of, I love working with the Bollywood boys who are now WWE as, uh, the Singh brothers. Yeah, yeah. They're fantastic. Um, yeah, those would be some of my favorites. That's a great, those JD, great JD Michaels had a long string with him in Lethbridge and, and Calgary and stuff. He's fantastic. He's down in Florida now. Uh, he's wrestled a few years, but he was one of my favorites by far to work, to work with. Well, I remember one time, um, uh, I always, I, uh, I had girl roommates uh, for a while and uh, the way I would get them into wrestling because I watched so much wrestling that they're going to have to like it eventually uh, was uh, I would always just like, what, wait, after the, watch Divas, watch Divas. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there was the episode where you uh, showed up in an episode of Divas. Oh, yes. And, yeah. uh, Total Divas. Yeah. And uh, Total Divas. That's and I was funny. watching with my friend Michelle. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, there's Brady Malibu. Yeah. And she's like, who? And I'm like, Brady Malibu. I'm like, he's right there. And as Natty comes in and starts arguing with TJ, you're yeah. like sitting beside him. And then you're so sort of like, funny. yeah. And it, <laughs> so what was that like? Did they not tell you that this screen, this scene was going to happen? Oh, no. Like they, this, they brought me over to be in it oh yeah. okay. so i was so i want to say i was there for a loop i think it was i want to say it was um i did two that year i did royal rumble raw and smackdown and then i did 
SummerSlam, Raw, and SmackDown. So yeah. it was eat one of those two loops. Yeah, I think the, it was SummerSlam around SummerSlam. Yeah, so if it was a SummerSlam one, it was uh, when Brock wrestled Cena, when Brock kind of beat Cena up in five minutes. Yeah, that's uh, So I was, I was there for that. And anyway, we're at TV the next day or whatever, and I think I was sitting in catering with TJ, and they came to TJ and said, oh, we have to shoot this scene for Divas or whatever. And um, so he said come with me. <laughs> I said, okay. And then, then they just had us like sort of chatting. And then that's where Natty comes over to, yeah. to interrupt the the scene. But, um, that was a, that was a funny weekend actually, because that was sort of at the time, to be honest, I was pretty fed up with, with WWE and the system. I felt like I'd been kind of jerked around a few times, just sort of feeling like I should be there at the time, essentially yeah. is what I thought. And that's when the network was launching and they were, start, they were a lot of talks of doing a cruiserweight TV show and stuff. And so I had talked to them about that and, and I was there. And at the time, again, I'd been doing a lot of movies and stuff. And I remember I had a conversation with the head of talent relations uh, at SummerSlam and I, I just had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him and I just said, look, I'm doing a lot of movies and film and stuff and I've, I just wrestled in Japan and I've trained at Lance's and I'd, I'd love an opportunity to, to work here full time. And he said, well, to be honest, we don't, we don't care about your acting stuff. It's not something that we care about. And I said, well, all due respect, I said, you guys are producing a scripted television show with a lot of backstage segments and stuff. I mean, I thought that the acting stuff would kind of be important to you. And then he, you know, whatever, our conversation was over. And then I went and sat down in catering and, and up came on the screen at SummerSlam. It was Nikki Bella versus Brie Bella. Yeah. And they had this video package and it was the worst acted thing I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I just thought, well, that's funny. They just said my acting is irrelevant to this job. And, which is uh, weird because they bring in weird. Freddie Prince to, to give coaching, acting coaches. Like they've yeah. hired him in the past to come in and help teach acting I mean, classes. The majority of the acting on WWE programming is abysmal i mean i've seen community theater that was better acted than yeah. that and, and that's not a you know i'm not trying to knock on the boys or anything it's like they're not trained actors but like for them to say to me we don't care about that and i had a conversation with a couple other guys william regal and some guys later that said that's weird that they said that but yeah but you know so i don't think it's everyone by any means but it was just like i thought in my mind okay i've got a great wrestling education i've wrestled all over the place you know i can i can get in and, and do that job but i've also got you know, a lot of acting training, dialect training. I've done lots of films and movies. I'm yeah. comfortable. And to me, that would sort of be the perfect storm of like, okay, this is a guy that we should get behind. Yeah, I would think so. You would think so. Um, but yeah. And then they said, nope. It's relevant. And that to me, to, to be honest, that was sort of my last straw with WWE. And then I was just like, I'm over it. That doesn't surprise me because yeah. like... Uh you know, it, it, it just doesn't surprise me. Like, I've heard so many uh, stories of yeah. of um, just poor decision-making sure. uh, within within the WWE. I have friends that used to be writers and stuff like that. And just like, you know, oh, they turned down that. Or they turned down this, yeah. you know. And it's just like, you know, my buddy wrote for uh, a full year. And uh, he it's so funny. His stories are great. And he just, you know, he'll be like, he'll just say something like, Everybody thinks they have the answers to whatever. He's like, do you not think that the 37 writers on staff have already thought about that? Exactly. It's been shot down. Yeah. That's not the direction exactly. Vince wants to go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and it's crazy when you hear that. But, um, but do you ever feel now, like, you know, uh, with your size, now your size is not discriminate right. towards you know they're not going to discriminate towards your size now because guys your size are working everywhere for sure I, I think that I to be honest I probably was a few years too I was probably five years too early I would think because so. the thing is when I had my first few years of tryouts like I remember being backstage and it was like Matt Morgan and like you know all these massive guys uh Heidenreich and all these guys were there yeah. in the early times that I was there and it's you know that was like it was just a different era you know mm -hmm. it was sort of that um, mid to late 2000s, you know, 06 to yeah. 2010, 2011, like small guys didn't start coming in until a few years ago. No, and you so, look at now. Like, yeah, so I, I think that um, it, it's possible that it would have been a different story for me if, if it was this time. But honestly, like I think that it worked out for the best. You know, I remember not getting a job at WWE and feeling so frustrated and feeling so uh, depressed about it and stuff for some time. But now like, I'm running my own production company. I'm my own boss. I'm making a sh TV show about wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I make my own schedule, you know, like I, there's a lot of things that I love and 
I'm sure it would have been great to work for WWE and there's that sort of rock star lifestyle traveling the road and stuff, but it's like, it's a lot of travel, man. And it's a lot of like sitting on, in a car and it's a lot of bumps and it's, it's just a different, uh, my mindset has changed, you know, yeah. uh, for a lot of years, you kind of chase that if, and that's the only thing that's in your life. And then you kind of realize once you get out of the wrestling bubble, um, that you that there's a lot more to life than just working for WWE. It's fantastic that uh, whereas wrestling did not appreciate your acting right. resume, uh, that that acting appreciates your wrestling. Sure, resume yeah, now. exactly. And this it's funny because I I remember um, again one of my last tryouts with WWE. I was so frustrated, and they had me come in and do promos. And at the time, like they had seen me do promos a lot of times and they were fans of my promos and William Regal and the Brooklyn Brawler and these guys had, had you know, seen me do this before. And we went in to cut promos and we were in Calgary, actually. It was, uh, and Lance was there and a few of the other guys were, a few of Lance's students were there and, and they had us come in and cut promos. And I walked in to cut, cut a promo and who's sitting there? Paul Heyman is there. Yeah. Paul Heyman wanted to watch our promos that day. And I cut like a four or five minute promo about my frustrations of this whole situation because they said, you know, give us something real. And so I sort of lit into my frustrations about this whole process and just the, the years of tryouts and getting jerked around and being told one thing and told another thing. And, um, and one of the things I said in my promo is I said, look, this is your guy's last shot. You can, you can make a lot of money with me or I'll go and make a lot of money for somebody else. Yeah. And I said that right to them. And, uh, it's like, I just didn't give a fuck anymore, you know, because I was not, you know, there are so many people on the independence that like wrestling is kind of the only thing that they have. Yeah. And for me, I, again, I had already been working in movies. I'd worked on TV shows. I'd, I'd already begun producing my own stuff. I knew that I did not need WWE. Yeah, uh, that I was going to be successful Either way. Uh, in spite of, yeah. of what they think. So that was sort of my motivation. And um, yeah, it's interesting, man. It's like kind of where life takes you, right? Because you spend so many years kind of busting your ass to get there. But now that work has paid off for me in different ways, right? Yeah. And that's fantastic. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. We're the, this is pretty much the end of the, the, the show. Yeah. Um, tell the people out there where they can find you and where they can talk, contact you online. Totally. Yeah. So on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Brady Malibu. Uh, my show is going to come out. My show is called Paper Champions. Yeah. It's six episodes on TELUS Optic TV. So if you have TELUS in Canada, you can watch it on there. Uh, it will likely be released online as well. We're just sort of figuring out details of that, but it'll be out on TELUS Optic. It's going to come out early 2019. 19 cool but if you follow me online we can um we, you know we'll be posting updates about it and stuff and yeah it's great man it's just, again it's a girl she inherits her dad's failing wrestling company sort of loosely inspired by my time working at stampede wrestling in the mid 2000s and uh very small crowds and she wants to turn this thing around and the wrestlers are all kind of stuck in their ways and toxically masculine and she needs to turn this this sinking ship around and there's the wrestling coach character and the director from the network and all the wrestlers and the referee and the camera guy. And so it's, it's a real like kind of fun look at it's like, it's almost like workaholics or yeah. arrested development, that type of kind of heightened reality humor, mm-hmm. um, but set in the, the world of indie wrestling. So yeah, paper champions stay on the lookout for that. We will look out for that. Uh, thank you for joining me on the show today. You and the doggies and everybody yeah, here in Vancouver. <laughs> thank you uh, for joining us. Thanks for letting us put a headlock on your ears and uh, we'll see you again. And uh, you can listen to us next time on uh, talking wrestling. Have Thanks, a good day. Man. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.